Grace Auburn family. This is Lee, executive pastor here at the church. Uh, today on the podcast, I'm joined by our newest associate pastor, Jason Engel, uh, a real gift to our staff team with many, many years of cross-cultural experience in China, now uh, joining our staff team to lead a focused effort on our service to and with international students and our efforts abroad. We could not be more excited to have him join our staff team. And this conversation uh, is really the second in a series of conversations that we will continue over the course of the next few weeks, uh, introducing our staff team and really asking two questions. When you felt called into vocational ministry, was there one or two particular voices that confirmed and helped direct your calling? And then the second question is, why in the world would you want to work for a church? If you could do anything else, would you do something else? Why why this job? Why this calling? Why the role of pastor or ministry leader? So I hope this conversation is encouraging to you. I know it was to me. And I hope it's a gift uh, for you wherever it is you find yourself this week. You're listening to the Grace Auburn Church Pod. Hey, this is the Grace Auburn Church Podcast. My name is Lee. I serve as executive pastor here at Grace Auburn Church. I'm joined today by Jason Engel, our newest associate pastor. Welcome, brother. Glad you're here with me today. I'm glad to be here today. So we are beginning a new—we began it last week um, in in the kind of introduction of this idea of sharing our callings into vocational ministry, pastors, ministry leaders as a staff team. I shared some of my story last week. Uh, we begin with you today as the, one of the newest ads to our staff. We're going to work backwards, and so that means we'll end with Matt uh, sometime early part of the fall. But my hope is really twofold. I want to share um, and, and ask questions for you guys to be able to share why um, the pastoral calling, why um, what that looked like, who were the voices around you at those moments, why would you want to work for a church, uh, why specifically this church, and so... Uh, I think the the goal would be that, A, uh, the people of this church get to know our leaders a a little bit better, but we also give glory and testimony to the Father who puts unique callings on all of our lives, whether that be as doctors or nurses or teachers or uh, moms, moms and teachers at home, in homes, all across the board, vocation matters to God. We were given work to do. Prior to the fall, contrary to popular belief, work is not a product of the fall. Uh, we will continue working as co-rulers with Christ for eternity. But as a means of, again, like I said, introducing our staff, uh, giving uh, our staff a place to share some of their stories, especially as some of our staff that doesn't get to share the platform on Sunday mornings with us uh, in the same capacities, um, that, that's really the hope of this. And so I want to kick off um, just by saying welcome um, we're so excited to have you joining us uh, on our staff team, really giving a, a large degree of focus to our internationals. And so I'll kick off just by asking the first question, and I think I'm going to start all of these conversations with this question. is: At some point in your life, there was a moment where you're like, what I'm doing is not what I feel called to do. And you ask the question somewhere along the way of, am I called into vocational ministry? And that could be in a church service. It could be during a Bible study. It could be on a hike. It could be in any number of situations. But I want to begin these conversations by asking the question, was there a person or a voice, a singular voice, or maybe a couple of voices that really served uh, to confirm your calling into vocational ministry? And so I asked that question really 
to just say, how did you, how did the Lord call you into this? Who was there uh, along the way to say, yes, I see that in you, absolutely. So however you want that to go, let's jump in. Okay. Those, great question. We can go a lot of different directions. Uh, I need to just frame it by saying I grew up in a Christian home as a pastor's kid, but did not become a Christian until after college. That's a whole other story. We won't uh, go into <laughs> yeah. there. But um, I found myself uh, working as a land planner, landscape architect in San Antonio, Texas. I was connected into my church. I was coaching volleyball at a Christian high school. Thought I had enough ministry in San Antonio to last me the rest of my life. Mm. And one day I heard a radio ad. And um, very clearly, God uh, moved me by His Spirit to uh, you know, to to investigate. Mm. So uh, the the ad said, "Come come to China, teach English, and share your life with the people that need to hear about the hope that you have." Wow! And not sure, Lee. Have you ever had an argument with God? <laughs> <laughs> well. For sure, but keep going. We'll we'll talk about me and God arguing another okay. time. Okay. Well, no, I, another I, time. I had an argument with God right there as the radio I was playing. Is like, look at me, Lord. I'm six four. I've never been out of the South. Yeah. And you want me to go learn them boys how to talk right? <laughs> I, I don't even like rice, God. What are you doing? Uh, uh, do you trust me, Jason? You say mm, I'm Lord. Do yeah. You trust me? Pick up the phone and call. So dialed the 800 number. Talked to a receptionist who transferred me to a recruiter who asked me, so, Jason, have you wanted to go to China ever since you were a little boy? Um, no, Carl. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I, I want to go to China now, but I just felt like I needed to um, to call and just get some more information. Yeah, I'm hoping you talk me out of it. That's why I'm calling, right? Exactly. This is a bad idea. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so talked to him, uh, got some information, hung up the phone and said, okay, Lord, I'll go till you stop me. Yes. But you better stop me if you don't want me in China, because I sure don't want to go if oh, I'm man. not supposed to. All right, how long had you been in San Antonio at that point? About three years. Okay. But I'm a Christian about three years. Okay. Working uh, for the city? Working... Uh, well, it was a private, uh, a private, real small landscape architecture firm doing a lot of subdivision design and development, yeah. um, developing the north side of San Antonio, making making subdivisions. So living, quote unquote, the American dream, knowing exactly what you wanted to do, having, like you said, all the ministry you thought you could ever have in front of you in San Antonio, and then a radio ad snaps you out of what you think is the Lord's plan for your life. All right, so you call Carl. Right. Carl does not proceed to talk you out of it. You, right. And then you, the Lord says, I will lead you. You will follow. And you said, Lord, if you want, don't want me to go, stop me. Right. He didn't stop you. He didn't. He didn't stop me. I Actually, so I made an appointment. I talked to my pastor, several pastors on the staff of the church at the time, as well as some other men that had been mentors in my life and said, hey, what do you think about this? And they all said, yeah, we could see you doing this. Okay. And um, so talked to my parents who were not really excited about sure. the idea of me leaving everything I'd worked for and <laughs> starting yeah. over overseas. But... You know, God just kept moving in that direction. Well, and it, it's important. Uh, we will we'll work through the way the Lord took you to China, took you um, for for decades right. through the life and work of that ministry to then bring you back to the states ultimately, or for now. Um, we don't know what ultimately is, I guess. But I, I think you, you made mention, and I don't want to I don't want to glance over the fact that you met with several men. 
in your church, uh, one of which was your pastor, and there was a very clear, I mean, if this is on your heart, I could see you doing this, no matter how tall you are or how much you don't like rice. Um, but man, there, I don't, I don't want to gloss over that. So walk, walk me through that first conversation, that first, hey, so don't freak out. I heard this radio <laughs> commercial, and where did that go from there? Well, and so... Talking with them, I, you know, again, I was leading the singles group at my church and teaching mm. teaching the Sunday school at, and uh, really active involvement. I was singing in the choir. I was doing all kinds of things. And so part of it was, well, we're glad that you're serving here. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, we could see that God is is doing something here. Yeah. We, we're not sure, but we're willing to walk along with you mm. and uh, one of those questions was, well, are you sharing the gospel here yeah. where you are? Because if you're not sharing the gospel with the people around you here, then what makes you think you're going to be able to pick up and go to China and do it there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I, I love the the picture of challenge of, hey, what what we do there is really doing there what we do here. And if that's not the case for you, then this might not be for you. There may be some romanticized idea of of what that looks like. I know I've talked with so many young people who think about what living overseas would be like or what going into vocational ministry is like. And I think I said this in some version in last week's podcast of the idea that full-time vocational ministry is is always, you know, coffee on the front porch at Ross House when it's 68 degrees outside and we're just talking about how great, you know, somebody's life. Like this, there, are, there are those moments where we celebrate God's faithfulness in that, but there are, there's a lot of hard moments. Mm. There, there's, a, there's a tremendous cost to be considered to move overseas. There's a tremendous cost to be considered when we think about moving away from something you've worked so hard for. Mm. Oftentimes, parents can be the first people that remind us of that. And in some ways, they're doing their job. Like, hey, have you really considered what you're giving up? And for you, the answer was, yes, I have. Well, and I knew that because uh, I had worked hard and I had just passed my professional licensing exam and I had I actually just opened my own business. And so mm. for me to take the step, it wasn't a vision trip. It wasn't a, hey, let's go for the summer and see what it's like for me to go to China was to shut everything down here. Mm. And I think one of the challenges, this is mid-90s in Texas, and this is also mid-90s in church cult and a church culture and a tradition that said you're either a pastor or missionary or you're one of everybody else that just just works. And I think that one of the, the gifts that God has given me over the last 30 years of, of doing this is to see that no, it doesn't have to be either or. Yeah, uh, you can. We have this idea that you have to be a professional Christian, mm. but the reality is, what the world needs to see as much as anything is a Christian who is a professional at whatever you do. Mm. Uh, and I really am thankful for that distinction of yeah. saying. Christian professionals are witnesses wherever we are, whether we're, whether we're in at, at a university or in the working world or um, wherever we're wherever we're working, we yeah. can be lights in the darkness right there. So you do shut everything down. The answer is, I'll go, Lord, until you stop me. He doesn't stop you. He doesn't. So 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 walk us through the shutting down 
of all things landscape architecture firm of moving really your whole life's trajectory off of this onto that because the Lord said, go. Well, it was it was a shaky proposition because there was the whole screening process and then the acceptance process and actually even checking a couple of different organizations, uh, including uh, the IMB, hmm. um, because my dad was Southern Baptist pastor and encouraged me to, hey, check out the IMB so you don't have to raise support. Hmm. And that door closed pretty quickly. But this other one, God kept moving us forward, got accepted in late May, and had two months to raise $13,000. And God brought every every cent plus a, a thousand extra in wow. over the course of two months. And it was just, just confirmation like that over the, a, lot, a lot of many little... Lots yeah. of lots of prayer. Yeah. God, yeah. what are you doing here? I'm going to write the letters. I'm going to talk to people. You've got to bring it in. And he did. Yeah. Uh, one-way ticket to LAX from San Antonio <laughs> and my life in two, in, in two check bags. Yeah. All right. So when do you land in China? What year is that? That is uh, August of 96. All right. So let's go from August of 96 until uh, if you can just tell us the story and, and I think telling the story and under, with the under the umbrella of God's faithful provision along the way not the least of which was a woman who would be your wife and uh, just tell us that story in okay. terms of really I, I'll jump in but just tell us the story of you saying yes God saying I'll provide you writing the letters all the money coming in having that one-way ticket uh, it was uh, by no means easy, and any any idea of a romantic adventure needs to be checked at the door. Uh, there were certainly many, uh, many problems along the way, many challenges, a lot of heartache and disappointment along the way, but um, Lisa came from Birmingham. I came from San Antonio. We met on the way to China, mm. and this was somebody that uh, was a teammate our first and, and our first location in central China. And uh, it was somebody who had also given up a career to follow the Lord onto, onto the harvest fields. And somebody I recognized pretty quickly, this is somebody that loves Jesus more than she loves me mm. and is committed to the Great Commission. And um, she's really easy on the eyes, too. Um, and uh, we joke we never dated our first year because you don't have to date when you're hearing somebody in the room right next to you throwing up. That's right. Uh, oh, because of food poisoning once again <laughs> or, um, you know, just all of the different things of living overseas in the mid-'90s and living in China in the mid-'90s and mm. food poisoning and uh, scheduling challenges and you know, living in a communist country, just just so many different things. But we recognized really quickly that God was bringing us together. Hmm. Uh, so after that first year, we came back and, and got married. Wow. Uh, lived in Birmingham for a year and recruited. Uh, went back and actually led a team of college students on a year-long vision trip uh, the second year, and we were all miserable. <laughs> You're doing a great job trying to, like, pep talk the guy who's listening to this podcast hey, thinking, well, I might be called. And he's like, I'm for sure not right. called now. So, Well, the, the thing about it is as miserable as it was for many of the, lo- many of the situations, uh, God's grace was always sufficient at every step along the way. Mm. Um, it was hard, uh, but it was uh, – I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the heartache. I wouldn't change the loss. I wouldn't change – all of the leadership lessons I learned that second year 
um, just trying to keep everybody together. Like, for example, celebrating a first anniversary with a teammate uh, in a Chinese hospital having kidney stones. Yes. And uh, losing 40 pounds that first semester back because of uh, the, the weather, the climate, the food, uh, potentially malaria, just those kinds of things. Yes. But when you, when you see the harvest fields in front of you and Jesus' words, they are like harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, and you see that right in front of you, mm. these folks don't have a clue that they are headed to an eternity of torment Hmm. and i've got the only answer yeah that will save them it it is life-altering yes okay so the commitment was to go you meet lisa you guys come back you get married because you learn everything you need to know about a person in those first six months (laughs) being together uh this is also not a ploy for go to china to find your wife that's not at all what we're saying either however you you know that your lives and the mission of your lives are aligned in that moment because you both said yes without the other one. Even knowing you were saying yes, you didn't know each other yet. Right. And so there is there is an incredibly good thing that happens there for you guys. So you guys continue to work your way in and through and up through kind of the hierarchy of that organization. Um, you, you guys moved. How many different cities did you live in in China? Oh. Total. Give me big big picture. Can uh, One, two... Three, four, five, six, seven or eight. Seven or eight cities. Seven or eight cities. Wherever the organization needed leadership, um, they asked us, and we said yes. Yeah. We prayed about it, obviously. Sure. And um, not all easy. Um, again, we lost a child, our first child in China. Uh, we uh, had many setback, setbacks and heart heartbreaks, team challenges, lots of things. And then, you know, learning Chinese and – yeah. <laughs> All of that. Oh, yeah. Um, the Lord's faithfulness, beginning with, I'll go until you stop me. Right. It never stopped. It never stopped. He he never stopped. He he kept he kept redirecting. Sure. Often. Sure. And we used to say it's easier to steer a, a moving ship than the one that tied to port, right? So right. you keep moving, you keep following, yeah. and, and God directs your steps. I think it's important to, to think through, you know, whether whether you want to be a doctor or a banker or you want to move to Wall Street or you've thought about being a missionary or a pastor for, for years as a young person or now maybe someone listening maybe in the middle of their life going, I don't know that this is it. God, there's this continued stirring of something more, something different um, I, I think there's a misnomer out there or a misunderstanding that's like, I have this perfectly clear picture of what this is going to look like, and it's going to be step one, two, and three to get there. When in reality, the Lord just says, go. Like, I have, I have a direction for you. I don't, I, don't have a, I don't have an end point for you. The, the end is my kingdom. The end is heaven, or the end is when I come back. But I love when I hear your story, and I don't know, I've probably heard this version of your story three or four times now, it's such a gift and a joy to know that the answer was just yes. God, what's the question? Where would you have me go? Where would where would you lead us? The answer is yes. Yeah, I think it's really, uh, again, one of those misconceptions that we have that, that God is going to reveal every step along the way mm. at the beginning. Yeah. And it's the progress 
the process is, I think, is as, as important as anything. Sure. We had folks our early, in our early years of China telling us, your first year in China, you're gonna let, God is going to do more on you than he is going to do through you. Mm. And I think that's, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that as we follow God has to do a lot of shaping in us before Mm. he ever does it through us. And the challenge is to maintain an attitude of surrender. Sure. An attitude of, I'm yours. You bought me with your blood. Yeah. I'm yours. Do with me what you want. And that's the, you know, they, we joke about, um, offering ourselves as living sacrifices. And Mm. the problem with being a living sacrifice is we keep crawling off the altar (laughs) all the time. And, um, and it's, and it's really true. And, uh, whether, whether you're sitting, uh, in Auburn, Alabama, or you're sitting in China, um, it's really easy to want to crawl off the altar. Yeah. And so I think, uh, just even as Matt mentioned in the, in the sermon last Sunday about, um, Believing is often the hardest thing that mm. we have that we have to do. We have to maintain that attitude of Lord, I'm yours, yeah. and you know what you're doing here, even when I don't. Yeah, that's so good. All right, so around about eight cities, twenty years, two decades, children. Walk us through the process, or share with us the the move from working in China uh, with this organization to back to the States, a shift into pastoral ministry. So now we've gone from missionary and missionary as pastor and shepherd to a a unique set of people, but really seeing the Lord's leading or feeling the Lord's leading and him continuing to push you towards a pastoral calling here in the States. Is that something that you guys have been praying for for a while? Is it something that came out of nowhere? Share us, share share that, that part of the story. Okay. So, uh, 20, around 2014, uh, we were starting to get a sense that our time in China might be coming to a close. We weren't sure uh, why. We know that we knew that our parents were getting older, having a lot of health issues. Our kids were having education issues. And the vision of the organization and, and our vision for serving the Lord, we're starting to see a little bit of disconnect here and there just mm. with the idea of God's glory has to be paramount. The yeah. most important thing has to be God's kingdom and, and God's glory. And when things start getting in the way, there's challenges. Sure. And you need, uh, we belong first and foremost to him, and then secondary to that would be an organization, a church, a denomination, something like that. Yeah, so yeah. primary has to be to the Lord. Okay. So as we are looking at that, we come to the place where we realize God is calling us back to the States, but we're not sure exactly to what. Mm. Once again, God will go till you stop us. So, uh, and even in the last few years of our lives in China, we, we always said uh, it will take more faith at this point in our lives to move back to the United States than it would be to remain, to, to live in China, because mm. we know how to live in China. We know how to be a family in China. We know how to build the kingdom in China. How do sure. we do that in the United States? Mm. The question was always, and do what? Mm. And so as we came back to the States, that season of uncertainty, I met with, again, several pastors from our supporting churches from three different denominations at that time, and they all told me, uh, you're probably too old to be a pastor. Mm. You don't have the right credential. You don't have the right background experience. There's probably not a church in our denomination that would hire you as a pastor. Mm. So I kind of put that dream on hold and jumped into campus ministry uh, here in the States. 
and was miserable. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it was, I mean, more comfortable. It was great being able to, to uh, drink sweet tea sure. and, and, and eat good food and, and watch football games and, right. and just all of, all of the things and um, communicate in, in English readily and worship freely. And th- those, those were all great things. Sure. But the service, while good, it was not what I was supposed to be doing. Mm. And so I actually, I called a friend. I started looking for jobs. And yeah. I called a friend and said, hey, will you be a reference for me? Yeah. And he had come back from China with the desire to be a pastor in New England. Mm. Having grown up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then lived in China, wow. he wanted to be a pastor in New England, and he was still serving as a pastor in Maine. And so he asked me, he said, well, Jason, have you thought about being a pastor? And I said, Wes, it's all I've wanted to do, but mm. I've been told but over and over and over again that it's not a good idea. Mm. And so he said, okay, we found it. We found the one thing that it's impossible for God to do. Nothing is impossible for God except make Jason Engel a pastor in North America. <laughs> he said, I'll tell you what, Jason, I will be a reference for any pastor position you apply for, but don't call me for anything else. Yeah. So once again, I hung up the phone with somebody and said, okay, God, yeah. I'll go till you stop me. Yeah. And so I started uh, really pursuing pastoral roles, and God opened the door for us to move from Alabama to Tucson, Arizona. Wow. It's an, I think it's an amazing testimony, again, to God's faithfulness to, let's say, two decades and one year after there was that initial call, the Lord again said, keep going, keep going. And he used a faithful brother to say, You're, you would be foolish not to do the thing that God has put on your heart to do. And not only that, it, it, all things are possible. And so yeah. I, I love that portion of the story where Wes tells you that story, and I think that's great. The the last five or going on six years now um, were hard in different ways, Um, moving to Tucson and leading a church there, spending five years as the pastor of a Chinese Baptist church. My question for you, kind of as we think about landing this episode, and, and we're not under any kind of hurry here, but just as we think about the, the, the second question that I want to ask everyone is you spent so many years of your life just pouring it out for the Lord in China to come back here, be told you can't do that here, which is absurd, to then have the opportunity to do that here. The, the question that I have is why in the world would you want to work for a church? Like if you think about anything and everything you could be doing, why this? When I yeah, when I was young, uh, there was a TV program on uh, called Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, uh, and in that was and it was often uh, it was often uh, trips to the African continent, and sooner or later, some something's going to die. Yeah, right. Uh, and <laughs> why do I want to be? Why do I want to be in a church? Work in a church because the lone wildebeest gets eaten <laughs> every, every every week. The lone wildebeest, the lone zebra, is going down. Yeah, uh, the Christian life is too difficult to live on our own. Mm. You've got we've got to be in community, and the reason the reason 
I get to work in a church, there's a joy to work in a church, is because I recognize that there are no Lone Ranger Christians. Mm. You cannot survive, and God has not called us to live as Lone Ranger Christians. He has called us to live in community. And we've seen that in multiple cultures and multiple locations through more than 30 years. Christians that are deeply rooted in Christ and are living in harmony with other believers will thrive. Mm. And those that aren't won't. Yeah. That's just that's the bottom line. Uh, and so and even just thinking about coming here to Grace Auburn and we love the vision statement, city, campus, nations, to know and love Jesus through authentic gospel communities. Yeah, that's right. It's, it is about the community living together and serving together. So the vision is there, mm. but the vision is implemented. God works through the, the community in order to fulfill the vision. And um, it's exciting to me to be able to hopefully come alongside po- folks and share um, what not to do as much as, <laughs> as, as much as what to do and just some experiences and stories and just try to help people recognize that whatever walk of life you're in, you can be a Christian professional. Mm. You can shine brightly as a stay-at-home mom. You can shine brightly as an engineer, as a student, wherever you are. That is, that is a place in the harvest field that God has placed you for this moment. And so the joy that I have is to come into a really healthy church staff team and encourage my teammates and encourage my brothers and sisters here in Auburn to, hey, get plugged into community yeah. and look around and see what God is already doing and see the people that need to hear the hope you have, mm. just like the people in China needed to hear the hope that I had. Yeah, that's right. Our, Auburn, Alabama is a target-rich environment for the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are classmates, coworkers, neighbors, friends here that maybe some of them have a better sense mm. of Jesus as far as a cultural background, yeah. but they don't know him. Yeah. And there's a huge difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing him personally. Jason, thank you so much for sharing. This has been really good. Thank you. Yeah. That's my, my pleasure. of the Grace Auburn Church family. Thank you for listening to the Grace Auburn Church podcast. If you'd like more information about partnering with us and our mission or ways that you can get connected, please go to our website, graceauburn.church.